0: Welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.live. Enjoy the message. So today we're, we're finishing out this, this series, Notorious Sinners and I wanna invite you to, in your Bible with me, go to Luke chapter 15 and in, uh, in Luke chapter 15, we talked about it a little bit last week. There's this, there's this story of, um, of the prodigal son. And so in the story of the prodigal son of of this lost son, he comes back. Jesus tells three stories. They asked Jesus the question. These religious leaders came to Jesus and they asked him the question. They said, Hey, why do you hang out with notorious sinners? Like people that are notorious for how messed up they are. Why would you roll with them? You're Jesus. And so he, the Bible in Luke chapter 15 goes into three different stories, one about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, and one about a lost son. And so last week we talked about the lost son and, and the title of, of the talk, my talk last week was The Gospel of the Notorious. Well, today I want to talk to you about the responsibility of the respectable. So those of us who would call ourselves respectable, what, is this, what does this look like? So I wanna get into the second part of this story. So if you have your Bible, we have it on the screen if you don't have one um, with you. But we have uh, in Luke chapter 15, we tell this story about this lost son. And I wanna get into the second part of it. So the lost son goes, his dad gives him his inheritance. And he goes and the Bible says he wastes it all on wild living. And then he comes back to his dad. His dad runs towards him, loves him, embraces him, throws a party for him. Okay. And this is where, and this is where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 25. Meanwhile, while this party is happening, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. His older brother wouldn't come to the party. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate him by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything that I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He is lost, but now he is found. So before we get into this, let's just pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that you want us to take this journey to following you and to following you well. And I pray today that more than anything that's said from this platform or anything that happens that we can visibly and tangibly experience in this room, I thank you that we, all of us in this room, everyone that can hear my voice has a spirit. Thank you that you can, you can speak directly to our spirit, a word that we need and a word from you can change our life. So God, we just in our own hearts right now, even in my heart, God, I just open myself up to hear from you, for you to speak directly to me about every situation and circumstance that I have in my life right now. We thank you for your word and we thank you for your son. In your name we pray, amen. So in this story, okay, this father has a respectable son and he has a son that is not respectable. And the son that's not, the son that's not respectable, we, we heard that story last week, but the son that is respectable, this was his response. So a few years ago, um, we, I had a person who was really close to me that, uh, I talked about it a little bit last week. Um, but they, they kind of, um, some of you have seen Monty Python, so you'll get this reference. Others of you haven't and you won't. But there's a, there's a uh, now I'll explain it since I went ahead and started explaining it anyway. So <laughs> there's a thing called a holy hand grenade in the movie Monty Python. Well, this person had thrown an unholy hand grenade into the context of our family and our life and all this different stuff. And I was so mad, right? Because I've done everything right. So mad, so mad at this person. And so they were like in this valley of decision deciding about whether or not they were going to continue to lob grenades into um, our life and their life and so on and so forth. And so my dad asked me this really simple question. He said, what would you do if they came back and they like apologized? And I said, well, here's the thing. Number one, they're not coming back. Number two, if they did, I would never talk to them again anyway. Like it's, uh, it's over. Our relationship is done. We have nothing to talk about. We have nothing to discuss. I mean, I forgive them, right? Talk about that later. I forgive them, but you know, read between the lines, man. So my dad said, my dad just looks at me and uh, he goes, oh, so you'd be like the older brother then. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, like in the story, like the father runs towards the son and the older brother's like really mad because they're throwing a party because the son came back. And, and uh, in that season of my life where I was dealing with my own difficulty in the context of a friendship that I had that um, not only wasn't going to be there anymore, but that all of a sudden got, got really crazy and not, not fun. Uh, I just was confronted with this conversation with my dad about how I was beginning to respond this way. Because in in this ancient historical context, okay, you would have a, a, a calf, like you would have an animal that you would fatten up just to throw a big party. And it would take time to prepare that. And so this father in this story says, this son is worth me taking all the time that we've spent preparing this animal for a party, this, this son is worth throwing this party for. Now that's really awesome if you're that son. That's really awesome if you're the one that felt like you were lost, if you're the one that the father ran towards, if you're the one that the father put the ring on your finger. But if you're the son that's working out in the field that stayed with dad the whole time, that didn't make any mistakes, doesn't feel like you've screwed up as bad as that other person has or that other son did. And then you come back to the house and they're throwing a party for this idiot (laughs) who has betrayed everything about your family, who's not lived up to anything that they should have lived up to in terms of our family values, that's hard for us. Those of us that would be willing to, in our arrogance, call ourselves respectable. Those of us who'd be willing to look at other people and say, well, I'm doing better than those people. That's what the older brother was doing in this story. So the son, look at the difference in in the reaction between the father and the older brother. The son can't believe the father's reaction to the other son. The older brother can't believe that his dad would respond to his son this way. But those of you, like I've had these conversations with my parents, because like me and and Keel and Whitney, we all love each other. We're still siblings though, right? So you still kind of live in this moment of like, hey, I got in trouble for that. I'm 32 years old, by the way. I got in trouble for that. Why didn't they get in trouble for that? Because they did worse than me over there. And parents still parent us differently. And um, sometimes I look at, and my sisters have done the same thing with me. If they were up here and they had a microphone, they would say the same thing. I look at how my parents have been with my siblings and gone, why would you do that? That's ridiculous. And my dad, my dad or my mom invariably, will say, hey, like you'll understand what it's like when you're the parent. So the son only sees, sees his brother through the context of their brotherly relationship, but the father sees the son in the context of this father-son relationship. And so as, if you're a parent in this room and you have kids, especially that are older and have made mistakes, you don't ever really look at your children if you're a good parent, you don't ever look at your children and see what they do. You see who they are and you see who they can be. And, and Jesus, in this story, what he's doing is he's inviting us into this world where we don't look at people at a peer level. We look at people like he looks at them and we don't see what you do, we see who you can be. So that's the difference between the older brother and the father. So he treated his own brother like he was an enemy though. He wanted his brother to be treated like you've betrayed our family, which he did, you've wasted Uh, in that that story, in in the context of inheritance, in in this point in scripture, what would happen is the older brother would get two thirds of the inheritance and the younger brother would get one third or or however many younger siblings, they would split that one third. And so that brother had taken one third of everything his father owned and had just blown it. It's gone. Never going to come back. And so the brother is processing through this information and if you want to talk about someone that's treated me like an enemy, it would be someone who takes something that's meant for me and that's meant to be preserved and just completely squanders it. And so in the, uh, in the context of the Bible, you know, Jesus talks about this. So we just read this. So I want to, I want to look at um, Luke chapter five is, is a, a verse. We don't, we're not going to go there right now, but you heard Pastor Clay mention it at the beginning of this series that Jesus said, he doesn't Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Yeah. So he's talking about how, in the context of someone being notorious, like if you and I in this room today, we feel like we're respectable and we feel like we're doing a good job, that's awesome. You probably don't need grace right now. Probably don't feel like you need that. It's okay. But there's people in the world who need to become healthy, who need someone to step in their world and say, hey, you're a little bit sick right now. Let me, let me heal you, let me, help, let me help heal you. And so Jesus talks about this in the context of even people that we would look at as enemies. So in Matthew chapter five, and I want you to go there real quick. This is like our main, it's kind of our main uh, deal today. Matthew chapter five, Jesus is talking and he says, you've heard the law, there's a law, It says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those that love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Even notorious sinners do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. So verse 48, it's kind of where I want to chill today, but you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. What? (laughs) Hey, love your enemy. You know, that's hard enough, Jesus. And then you just get into this whole talk on perfection. Um, Like I feel pretty great about myself, but. You know, honestly, Jesus, if I'm honest, I don't really know if I can be perfect all the time. <laughs> so so let's, let's, let's just take a second and let's define an enemy. Because an enemy is someone who hurts you. That's what an enemy is. So all of us have been hurt by, by people. We're human beings. If you're like over the age of uh, one day, someone will hurt you at some point. Someone will do something that makes you cry. And, um, and so an enemy, in the context of what Jesus is saying. He's not saying someone who allies themselves against you, but those people are enemies. He's just saying anyone who hurts you, anyone who hurts you. So even a notorious sinner, in the context of what Jesus is saying, corrupt tax collectors and pagans, even those people love people that love them and hate people that hate them. I mean, whatever, that's just, that's just being a human being. But you are to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. So the responsibility of the respectable is perfection. If we call ourselves respectable. If I say to myself, man, I follow Jesus. Like I'm, a, I'm gonna be a Christian. I'm gonna do life like God wants me to do life. I'm gonna live life like God wants me to live life. Jesus says in two different passages of scripture, he number one shows us this in Luke chapter 15. He shows us how this is supposed to work by telling us a story. But then he gives us a teaching in Matthew chapter five, and he says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. So what is our duty um, to those who have hurt us? What does it mean to be perfect? It's not like, I mean, I don't know, maybe you feel like you're not gonna make any mistakes at some point, like you're gonna reach this point of grace in your life where all of a sudden, there's no more mistakes that you're making. I don't really necessarily feel that way. Even though Jesus, this has always been a, a verse that I've held in my head a little bit and gone, I don't really know if that uh, should be in the Bible because it doesn't make sense. Like you're to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. So Jesus tells himself, tells us himself, he, this is the words of Jesus to us. He says, be perfect like God is perfect. How, how is that possible? So I want to I define perfection in the context that Jesus did. And so perfection to be perfect means to, means to be mature and to be pure, especially in, in relationship to our love for people. So Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, pray that God will bless them, all this stuff. You can read this all throughout the scripture. Jesus saying that, he models it in Luke chapter 15. And so if we're gonna take this journey, if we're gonna say, hey, I'm respectable, I'm a man of God, I'm a woman of God, I serve God, I follow Jesus, I call myself a Christian. If I'm gonna take that journey, there's a certain responsibility that comes along with that. And the responsibility of those of us that call ourselves respectable is to be perfect. And what does it mean to be perfect? Not to never make a mistake, that's not what Jesus is saying. Not to be self-righteous and think that you're doing really great. The definition of perfection that Jesus uses here is he's saying be mature and be pure. Look at the story of the son and the father. What's the father's reaction to his son? We would say if we just distilled it down into a really simple concept, the the reaction of the father to the son in this story in Luke chapter 15 is perfect love. It is the definition of exactly how a broken person should be responded to by someone who is not broken. So the test of our maturity, we're gonna start with maturity. So if perfection according to Jesus is to be mature and to be pure, the test of our maturity is how we feel about those who hurt us, whoever those people are. Now, I don't know who those people are uh, in your life. I know who those people are in my life. And this is a battle for me today. I don't care how far in the past someone hurt me. Like I believe the worst for them, honestly. (laughs) Like, good luck, man. You know, God knows what you did. Like, I'm going to be, like, I know because I'm respectable, I'm going to be more successful than you, you know, because I've, like, served God and I've stuck with him. And I didn't do to other people what you did to me. So maturity is how we feel about those who hurt us. How do we feel about them? Ask yourself that question. I'm not asking you to answer it to me. It's hard enough for me to answer for myself. I don't need to know all y'all's drama. I got way too much of my own. <laughs> no one else needs to, know, needs to know yours either. Just answer the question. The test, the test of our purity is what our motives are towards those who hurt us. So maturity, how we feel about them. Purity, what our motives are. What do we believe for them? person that hurt me, person that messed me up, person that did that to me. Like, I don't, know, I don't know how serious it is for you and I don't know how not serious it is for you. Maybe you're a person, you've walked through a whole bunch of brokenness. You've walked through a whole bunch of things that have really brought you down at the hands of other people. Jesus still said this and he knew that that was gonna happen. Maybe you're a person that like, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened is with, it, it, with you is you got broke up with in eighth grade by some girl that you thought you were gonna be with all the time. Probably not though, because all of us have our own journey as it relates to the things that cause us to be pulled out of the perfection of what our love should be. So the test of our maturity is how we feel about these people. The test of our purity is what our motives are towards them. What do we believe for them? Perfect love requires both, both maturity and purity. Can't have one without the other. So it's not only how do I feel about this person, It's when I pray for them, if I do, in a positive sense, God, I pray that you would smite them. I know I never say the word smite, God, but smite them and may they be smoted (laughs) for all eternity. You know what, you don't have to send them to hell, but if purgatory is a thing, I think that would be appropriate, God, for a while. So to love one's enemies, to love a person's enemies. Now, now I, I just want to be careful about this definition enemy because if you're a Christian, I don't feel like you have the opportunity to call someone a hater. If you use the word hater and you're a Christian, you should stop. It's my suggestion because we're not allowed to have haters. We're not allowed to call people haters. Jesus says in this, in this chapter, in this chapter, Matthew chapter five, he says, love your enemies. Now, what is an enemy? An enemy is anyone who's hurt you. So anyone who you've been hurt by, they're your enemy, okay? So Jesus says, here's how you treat someone who has decided to be your enemy. You don't decide who your enemies are. People, like, people decide for themselves whether or not they're for you or against you. So to love an enemy doesn't mean that you condone their behavior. It doesn't mean you're like, hey, it's all good. Just keep on, keep on trucking, man, and you know, God's got you. It doesn't mean you condone their behavior, but it does mean that we are so engaged in their lives that were used by God to reconcile them to him and to bring them into alignment with God's will for their life. Shoot. So we're trying to, we're, we're, we're like you're, you're sitting in church today. You're listening to a message today, hopefully because you feel like you're trying to take this journey to be the God, the, the person that God wants you to be. And, and, and Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, love me and love your neighbor as yourself. And this is all that matters. And then the Bible tells us in John chapter 13, Jesus says, love people as I have loved you. And then he goes into Matthew chapter five. And as you read this stuff, I encourage you to read this for yourself, study the scriptures, just hang out in the four gospels for a minute. You don't gotta read the whole Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's how you follow Jesus. As you look at how that guy rolled and you say, I'm gonna roll like he rolled. So he says, love people like I've loved them. He tells the story of the lost son. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray that God will bless them. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Why does, this, why does my response matter so much? Because my response determines what happens next for this person. Yeah, exactly. I'll come back to it. That's good. I'll come back to it. But look at how this son felt. Look at how the lost son felt. You know, those of us in this room who would admit to ourselves, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Those of us in this room who would admit to ourselves that we have made mistakes, one of the greatest things that we feel is shame and guilt and fear. When we we come to a point where number one, those things are getting exposed or we're having to admit those things or we have nowhere else to turn and so we've gotta do something and it all starts coming out. So the son in this story, the lost son, he comes back to his dad, he's just afraid. He knows he deserves punishment. He knows he deserves to be treated like a slave. Romans chapter two, verse four, the Bible says Jesus, or or Paul says, he, he talks about how don't you, he says, don't you know? Like, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that God's kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So in this story, what does the father do? Back to last week, all of us, whether you've been in church or not, you've probably heard this story before. So the father, the son is like afraid and he's scared of punishment and he deserves punishment. He puts himself in this position where he's coming back to his dad and he doesn't know how his dad's going to respond. Those of us who have have admitted mistakes to people and admitted that that we've messed up, we usually are are scared to admit that because we're afraid of how they're going to respond. Like it's like when you call your, like one time I got in a car wreck and I called my dad first, right? Like, you, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of family, like you call your parents first, you don't call the police, you don't call the ambulance. Like, hey, dad, just want to let you know. So I said, hey, I'm a, can I tell you something, but don't be mad at me. That's, that's shame that we feel like pre-shame. That's pre-shame before anyone shames us. Like, I feel shame already. I know I haven't even told you what's going on, but I already feel ashamed of myself. So, but I, I'm going to say something, but just don't be mad at me, right? All of us have said that. <sighs> I got in a car wreck. And I, I don't know how my dad's going to respond to that. That's the same deal with the son in this story. He didn't know how people are going to respond to him. Because people that make mistakes, that are willing to be honest with themselves, we feel a whole lot of shame, feel a whole lot of guilt. We feel a whole lot of condemnation, not even because of anybody else, but just because of us because we we know that what we're doing is not what we should be doing and we know what we're doing is hurting other people. And so the son comes to his dad and he says, he starts giving his whole apology and his dad doesn't even acknowledge the apology. His dad's like, hey, let me hug you. Let me put a ring on your finger. Let me put a robe on your back. I'm not gonna shame you. I'm not gonna make you feel any worse than you already feel because I don't really need your apology. So in the context of the way Jesus works, Repentance is not an apology. An apology is not repentance. It's not about saying you're sorry. It's not about saying, hey, I'm sorry. That's not what the father needed from the son. That's not even what happened in this story to go back to the lost son. It wasn't like, hey, let's have a sit down and you apologize and I apologize Um, because perfect love doesn't need an apology. So some of us are waiting or waiting for people to apologize. Like I will love you when you say you're sorry. The son in this story tries to apologize. He's so ashamed of himself, but the father doesn't need his apology. Why? Why doesn't the father need his apology? Because the son's already repented. So what what does it mean to repent? So in this story, the word, the, the, the term repentance that Jesus uses is repentance means to turn back. Repentance doesn't mean, hey, like, be sorry for everything. Repentance doesn't mean feel sorry for yourself. Repentance doesn't doesn't mean, like, come and grovel and earn everything back. That's not what happened in this story. That's what the older son expected, right? The older son expected that, hey, like, you need to come and you need to, like, kiss my feet. You need to kiss dad's feet. And, you know, I'll probably take you out and beat you up a little bit. And uh, then we'll see in about 10 years whether or not I'll call you my brother again. Like, you need to pay some penance. Penance is a Catholic concept, not really a God concept. So penance is not a thing that people need to pay if we believe in perfect love. And if we call ourselves respectable, okay, so I'm, I'm making an assumption today that a lot of us are calling ourselves respectable. So if I call myself respectable, then I have the responsibility of perfect love. And if I, if I choose to accept the responsibility of perfect, perfect love, then what I do is I just love. I'm not looking to punish anybody. So this word repentance means to turn back. Repentance isn't about saying you're sorry. You should. I mean, if you mess up, you should say sorry. It's not about saying you're sorry, though, feeling guilty and regretting stuff and like accepting your punishment. I mean, we can, we can all make our choices and we can't choose our consequences. So sometimes we've got to navigate and we've got to figure out, you know, how to navigate our way through the different consequences that we have. But, but here's, here's the main thing that I want sh- to point out. The difference, this is a word. This is something you say, okay? This is something that you do. An apology is words, it's fine. They're motivated from the heart. Those are nice things to say. You know, sometimes out of our heart, we we apologize to God, we apologize to our family, but repentance is something that you do. It means to turn back. So repentance isn't about regretting stuff. It's about changing our direction, right? So in this story, Jesus is saying, if you repent, that means you turn back to me. So why didn't the father accept the apology of the son? Because the son had already turned back to him. I don't need you to apologize now because you've already repented. So to repent does not is it not a higher form of apologizing. Like some people go, you need to repent, like repent, you're a sinner. Repent means like, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna choose to be different. So the son, it says, he came to the end of himself and he came back to his father, right? That's, that's what repentance is. So here's, here's what our way looks like as human beings though. This is, the way, this is the way we roll, okay? If you change, once you change, then you can come apologize to me, then I'll be nice to you. That's how human beings operate. It's like, so like in our life, change, say you're sorry, then be kind. Don't say you're sorry until you change though. This is what we think the journey of repentance looks like. This is the way God works. I'm going to be nice to you. Then that niceness is going to cause you to probably change some things in your life. But, you know, that niceness is going to cause you to turn and then you're going to change. But the whole thing is started by by me being kind to you. So change, repentance, kindness is how human beings operate. If you change and you apologize to me and you change your ways, then I'll be nice to you. God says, I'll be nice to you. Then maybe at some point in your journey, you'll come to your senses and you'll turn back to me and then your life will begin to change. Because because here's, here's how it works in God's economy. Repentance is not what we do in order to be forgiven. Repentance is what we do because we have been forgiven. So this is how God works. This is how God works. Kindness, Romans chapter two. Don't you know that God's kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? A very, those are very specific uses of words. Not like your kindness is meant to, don't, don't you know God's kindness is meant to make you apologize? No, God's kindness is meant to turn you back towards him because this is home. And then as you turn towards home, as you turn towards your father and accept the kindness of God, your life will begin to change for the better. But I really, but I really hope that we see this today and we stop and we stop acting uh, like, the, like the older brother. Because the older brother said, if you change, once you change, once I see that you've navigated and fixed everything, then I will maybe accept your apology. Like maybe we can go to coffee, maybe I can see you and you know what, it's all your fault. So I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna sit back and listen. And then, you know, we'll see how that goes. If I'm gonna be, be nice to you or not. If I'm gonna refriend you on Facebook, unblock you, you know. But then God says like, do it this way. So the question that I have is what are you and I gonna do? Because repentance means to do something. The responsibility of the respectable is not like, hey, accept everybody's apology. The response, like you and me all day, we can say, hey, I don't have any issues. I don't have any issues with that person. But for real, I hope they go to hell. (laughs) And look at them. They look so bad right now. I'm so glad they're not in my life anymore. Oh my gosh, they are a mess. Is that maturity? So, so number one, we can look at the way their life is right now, our enemy, and we can say, oh my gosh, thank God, he protected me from ever being around them again. <laughs> Immature, then, then impure. Not only do, does their life look like a mess, they are headed to a bad place, yes. Perfect love in this story is what leads the son. Here's what I believe in the story of the son. This is a totally made up story. This isn't a real thing that happened as far as we know. Jesus just tells this parable. But in the context of this story, here's what happens. The son knew like, I know my dad. Like I know, I know, I know no matter how bad I screw up in my life, I can turn towards him because he's for me. And you know what? No matter how, no matter how big the mess is, I can run, I can run, I can go to him and I might feel ashamed, I might feel guilty, I might feel like, you know, stuff's just really screwed up right now, uh, but I know he's gonna help me. There's been so many times in my life where I've gone to my dad and I've said, I don't know what to do. I've made mistakes or the situation is just a mess. I don't know how to get out of it. And my dad's like, hey, I'm here, We'll, we'll help you figure it out. So I think in this story, the son knew the way that his father would respond. So he said, man, I'm just gonna go back to my dad because I know that my, my dad's servants get treated better than how, how I'm living right now. But sometimes I think we're the older brother in this story. We're not going to run to you. I'm not going to run to you. You're a mess. I don't want to touch you. You're disgusting. Like you, you, don't, you don't even deserve to be a slave in our house. Sometimes we put people in a position. Like sometimes to me this is like, this is like a journey that I'm on right now because like... You know, I said this a few weeks ago, but someone told me to stop attacking my army because I get mad at Christians a lot. And Christians are so great at this. Like we had an altar call one time and, and this, this, this lady came, this girl came forward and she's just broken. And her mom came, came, forward, came forward with her and her mom said, she can't, she can't do this yet, she hasn't changed anything. So back to our way, once you change, then you can repent, then I'll be nice. God's way is I don't even need you to change. I just want to be nice to you. I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to believe for you. And then you know what? My love for you will cause you to turn towards me. And then as you turn towards me, you will see how wonderful I am and how gracious I am and how much I'm for you. And I'm not, and I'm not mad at you. And then as we begin to take this journey with God, some things in our life begins to change because we know that God is for us. Like, we know we got this relationship. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you and I, like, if someone hurt us and our, and our response to that was, hey, like, it's all good, man. I love you. What? I just did a really bad thing to you. I know. I'll, I'll have my own journey with that, but just now I'm for you. I'm always going to be nice to you. I'm always going to love you. So these stories that we've told, you know, like in my... Like, this is really great for, for, I think, for me to just get up and and teach. Um, But I I, I suck at this. So, like, I'm the person, I'm I'm like a very cynical person. I want to be nice. I want to be loving. um, But you know what? I'm an introvert. So at the end of the day, I don't need any of y'all. And if you hurt my feelings, if you hurt my feelings, the wall is going up and I have nothing to say to you. We'll never have a conversation again type thing. That's the kind of person I am. So, so I had this friend that I had for a really long time. And this is a, this is a different story than the other guy. So I'm um, <laughs> <I> messed up. <laughs> I had this friend that I had for a really long time. And um, for whatever reason, they, they, they hurt me. I was like really mad at them. So don't do this, please. Um, but I, I texted him and I said, look, you need to apologize to me or lose my number. That's pretty much what I said. And uh, so they lost my number, <laughs> as far as I know. A year to the day later, after we had this, it wasn't even a text conversation. I just sent them a big long text, blew them up, and uh, blah, 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 blah. Made them, you know, said all the things they did that were wrong, how uh, they dishonored me as a friend. And then uh, I said, You need to come. If, you, if we ever talk again, if we ever talk again, it's going to be because you've apologized. Okay, so never. I said, I will. <laughs> Uh, I'm remembering this text now. and It's even worse than how I started to describe it. So I said, I expect your response by like eight o'clock tonight. And if I don't get your text back, I'll know exactly where you stand. That was what I said. <sighs> Full disclosure. So, you know, never heard anything back from this person. A year to the day, a year to the day later, they, they, uh, I changed my number, right? <laughs> For a lot of reasons, but also because I didn't, you know, put up a wall. So, this person emails me, because i don't have my number anymore. They emailed me and they said, hey, I'm ready to talk. And uh, I just basically said, there's nothing for us to talk about. It's a year later. That's the opposite of kindness, right? When someone, when someone wants to come back to you, and for whatever reason, I mean, I'm obviously afraid too, Because I haven't been the perfect friend, right? So I'm afraid of hearing all the things I did wrong. I don't want to deal with that, you know? But but for me, you know, this is years later now. And I like, I need to go have a conversation with that person. Because like the way I responded to them was not kind. It was like, you know what? Reason, season, lifetime, you're out, good luck. Go figure your life out. That's not how God wants us to roll. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's the way that it works but I didn't, I didn't make this stuff up. I'm not, I'm not just teaching to you for my opinion. This is a journey that I'm, that I'm personally continuing to take in my life because at the end of the day, what is the point of all of this stuff? I've grown up in a culture, in a, in a Christian culture um, where, where we've heard, we heard Gandhi say it in the 40s, I love your Christians, but your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And I'm just gonna be honest with y'all, I don't wanna be that person. I don't want to be a person that reads the words of Jesus, that looks at how he was with people, that hears stories like the stories about this lost son and then go, yeah, that's good, Jesus. Thank you. But I'm not going to do any of that though. I just want to feel good about me. I just want to feel your grace. I just want to feel forgiven. Like I want to be the respectable son because I feel like that's a better position to be to be in than being a notorious sinner and feeling bad about myself. And then Jesus says, that's awesome, so great. So glad you're respectable now. Now here's your responsibility. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Perfect love. God says, please be like me. Like, please be like me. Please be like Jesus. This is the thing. This is the thing in the world that will change the world. This is the thing, if we can get it. If we can get it as his people, those of us who are in this room today that are willing to take the journey to not call ourselves a Christian, not be here in Dallas, Texas, acting like everything's all good because I've grown up in Christian circles and I was a Baptist before and now I'm coming to elevate life and whatever this is, I like it and it's cool. Like if we can just really say, I'm gonna have perfect love. This is the thing that will change the world. This thing that will, it won't fix everything. You and I will get hurt. We will stay hurt. People will hurt us. But you know what we have? We, we have the, the power of God on the inside of us. This is the journey that God helps us take. While, while he was a long way off, the Bible says, his father ran towards him. And then Jesus says, he tells all these cool stories about God, how wonderful God is. And then he says, okay, like now y'all go do that. Now, I don't want to hear that part. I just want to hear about, Jesus, just tell me another story about how much God loves me. Come on. How great am I? How, How great is my purpose? How great is my destiny? Oh, thank you, Jesus, you're so wonderful. That's so awesome. That's so, you know, coming to worship and it's just like, oh God, thank you so much. You're just, you're just the most amazing God. And, and, and the longer we do this journey, the longer we do this life with God and the more respectable we become, the more God says, so cool, thank you, continue to worship me. But now let's love our neighbor as ourself. Now let's get through some things. Let's get past some things. Because, because the truth is, okay, repentance is in, repentance is in action. And life changes something that happens over a really long period of time. You're not, gonna, you're not gonna pray a prayer and then everything get fixed. I'm sorry, that's not how God works. Your emotions are not gonna cease. You're not all of a sudden gonna be healthy mentally. You're not all of a sudden gonna be healthy emotionally. We believe that God can do miracles that way and God can instantaneously restore relationships, um, but that's rare. It's gonna be a whole lot of hard work. It's gonna be a whole lot of internal digging like I'm years away from having this conversation with this friend and I feel like, man, I've lived, a, I've lived a decent life. I'm years I'm years past that and I'm looking back and going, man, that was a mistake that I did that. It's not enough for me to admit the mistake though. I got to own it with the person. So what are we going to do? I'm not asking you to believe a, a certain way today. I'm not asking you to like walk out of here and feel great about coming to church. I'm asking you this question, what are you going to do? So understanding this story, understanding in our lives how God is, how Jesus rolls, what he says, looking at the gospels, looking at scripture, what are we gonna do? Some of us need to put ourselves in a position where where maybe we repent and we turn back in certain areas of our life. Some of us need need to put ourselves in a position where we start being kind now I don't mean being kind to that person, because that person might be long gone. But I don't mean being kind about that person. I mean some of us need to put ourselves in a position where perfect love starts to happen. Or we quit being immature. Like we quit we quit celebrating people's losses and how messed up they are. Like that person's messed up. Yes, awesome. What's wrong with us? Or like we stop believing the wrong things about people. Like you and I are put on the earth to be people of faith. That means we're people that have a belief system. We're people that, that what we hope for, here's the power that you have if you call yourself a Christ follower, what you hope for can happen. Yeah. Scary whenever we have issues. Because what I hope for that person in my impurity, what I hope for that person might actually happen for them. So what are we gonna do? I don't know. You gotta answer that question for yourself. But I wanna invite you to answer that question. It's a scary question to answer because it might lead to a whole bunch of interesting and difficult conversations. But can I tell you like we're meant to change the world. Like Jesus came and he died on the cross and he did all the stuff that he did so that he could model this kind of life so that the world could be a, a really great place to live. So that the people that are in our world the people that we have relationship with. I'm not asking you to go love a stranger today. You should love strangers 100%. But let's just start with the people that we know personally and the people that we have known personally. Let's start, let's start there. Some of you, you're in a place like you're not, you're in this church and you don't do anything. With all due respect. Like you just come and you sit, it's all good. But it's not about, it's not about just coming and being a part of a church. It's about building relationships. It's about loving other people. It's about serving people, it's about giving. Sorry, Jesus said it, we buy into it. Giving is a thing. Why, why Why does all of this matter? Because we have to create cultures and environments where kindness just happens. Don't you know, Romans chapter two, this is it. Don't you know that God's kindness is intended to turn you from all your mistakes, from you missing the mark, from you messing up, don't you know that the love is what gets you? So can you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I wanna, I wanna just, I, <clears throat> I think it's important today that, that you understand uh, where you are as, a, as an individual as it relates to your relationship with God. Because the thing is, Uh, repentance is not a one-time event. Like this isn't a, you know, you you might have walked in here today and you might just not be in a really great place in terms of your relationship with him. And that's okay. Like God's grace, the Bible says, covers a multitude of sins. There's nothing you can do to earn it. God gives you this gift. Why? Because he's so kind to you. He loves you. He's for you. He knows you. Other people might not know where you're at, but you know where you're at. And so, so why, does God, why does God want to walk us through this journey of just getting to know him? The end of the journey is not this moment. This is the beginning of the journey. So there's a journey God wants you to take with him because you have to get better and you have to get healthy and God wants to help you get healthy. And that's not going to happen overnight. That's not going to happen right now. But, but everything has to start with just taking a step. And so Jesus came and he, and he died on a cross. We're all, we're all messed up. The truth is none of us are respectable. We're all notorious sinners and Jesus rolls with us and he wants to roll with us anyway. So we're all messed up and Jesus says, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna take all their, all their messes. I'm gonna take everything that's messy about them and I'm gonna love them, but I'm gonna take all the consequences of that eternally onto my shoulders. And I'm gonna die once and for all. I'm gonna give this grace that can cover everything if they'll accept it. So the kindness of God The love of God turns us back to him. And then our lives can begin to change. Well, this is the turning back moment maybe for you in this room. It's the moment for you where you're gonna say, you know what, like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at in life right now, but I'm just gonna turn back toward a father that loves me. And and we just wanna give you an opportunity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything. I I just wanna count you in a prayer as you begin this journey. If that's you and you just say, you know what? I need to like have a right relationship with God. I need to have a right relationship with Jesus. I need to accept that kindness. I need to accept that love. I need to change some things about myself, whatever that means for you. I just want you to just put your hand up where I can see it. I'm not gonna count to three or anything. I just want you to put your hand up and say like, this is gonna be a new start for me. Is there anybody else who wanna give you an opportunity? You can put your hands down. I want everyone that can hear my voice just to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love for me. From this day forward, be Lord of everything in my life. Help me to find the right people in the right place at the right time so the right things can happen. Your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.live forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.